0: If you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Derek Coy. I'm one of the pastors on staff uh, at Vineyard Syracuse. Uh, can everybody see me okay? I felt like I was too far away. <laughs> I felt like I was way too way, far away up here, so I like to be a little bit closer. I uh, like to walk around a little bit as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so my name is Derek on staff at Vineyard Syracuse. I've been there for uh, just under six years uh, on full-time staff. I volunteered for a year before that, so coming up on uh, seven years uh, at Vineyard Syracuse. Uh, I also grew up in that church. I went to that Church in high school. Uh, My main role is to oversee the student ministries, uh, the the youth there. Uh, So I get the privilege of overseeing everybody who is in 6th grade through 12th grade. And I also uh, have a a group of about 15 uh, youth leaders that I get to oversee. Uh, And then over the last uh, couple years, I've been undertaking a a few more tasks. I've I've got a couple people that work under me now, as far as the youth goes. So I've branched out uh, into men's ministry, Alpha Church, and I also get to oversee uh, celebrations, which is every... Everything that happens in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning. And uh, when Tom asked me to, uh, to preach today, I was super excited. Um, I've, I've preached here once or twice, one or two other times. It's been a while, so I thought maybe Tom was trying to tell me something by, by not inviting me back anytime recently. Um, so I jumped at the chance when he asked me. And uh, man, I was even more excited when I found out he wasn't going to be here today. I'm like, yes, I'll be there. And then he had to ruin it. And he showed up anyway, so... <laughs> Um I I love Tom. Tom and I uh, have been friends for a few years now just uh just love to be able to come and, and help you guys out. Uh just to give you guys an idea a little bit of glimpse into who I am and kind of get to know us a little bit or get to know me a little bit more. Um I told you what I do at the church. When I'm not at the church, you can most likely find me on a sports field or a court somewhere. I love coaching and I love sports. My son Addison uh who's here with us today, he's in a lot of different sports and I get the opportunity uh to coach and to do different things in the community and I'm absolutely passionate about that. Um, I get to coach um, youth football at Wawasee. Um, anybody from Wawasee in here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get to coach the at the youth football level at Wawasee. I also get to oversee and coach um, the youth basketball at Wawasee. I also get to volunteer with the, with the varsity and JV, um, and I get to coach my son, uh, help coach my son in baseball. So if I'm not at the church leading something, most likely you find me at a court or a field, and I'm passionate about doing that because 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 I believe that sports has kind of become a religion in this society. And what better place to uh, bring the kingdom than the sports field when you have people that are, are, are finding identity or false identity in sports and different things? What better way to speak truth and speak life than the sports fields or the sports court? And my passion is simply to help connect people to Jesus no matter where they find themselves. Wherever they find themselves today, I want to help connect them to Jesus and bring them a little bit closer. Uh, so hopefully that just helps you, uh, understand who I am a little bit, who, uh, what makes me tick. And then, uh, also I'm just really grateful to even be here today. Uh, if you hadn't heard, I know most everybody had heard, uh, I, it was iffy whether I was going to be here today. I've been battling some, uh, some health issues. I was in the hospital, uh, for, uh, three days, a week and a half ago. So I was released a week ago Friday, uh, so, so a week and a half ago, that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was in the hospital uh, recovering, and I, I've been recovering a lot this week as well. I appreciate all you guys' prayers. I know a lot of you guys have been praying for me, um, and there was even, I know there was a backup in just in case I wasn't able to be here today. So I appreciate whoever that backup was and the diligence that you put into it, but thankfully I'm here, and uh, I, I just hope that uh, my thoughts come across clear today. If you wouldn't mind, I want to go ahead and just pray as I open up and we'll dive right into the message today. Uh, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to, to come and just to, to be here and hang out with branches. Father, I thank you for all the good things that you've done uh, through branches and in branches over the last couple of years, Father. God, I thank you for Tom and Joe and just their whole leadership team and uh, the diligence that they've just uh, put their head down and done uh, whatever you've called them to do. Uh, Father, I thank you for uh, just the influence that they have in this community. and Father, I just pray that you would give me clarity of your mind uh, and clarity of thought this morning that that my words would be your words this morning, Father, that I would be able to just step aside and your words would be is what is here, heard here today. And Father, I just pray that even for myself, selfishly, I pray that you would allow me to feel, uh, just feel 100% while giving this message. Amen. All right, so we're going to dive right into the message today. I've titled the message Greater Things, and it's not a cheesy play off of the Netflix series that was just released, Stranger Things. I promise that. Tom had asked me to preach a long time ago, and I knew exactly uh, what I was going to preach on, and it was well before that series was released on Netflix. And anyway, today's message is titled Greater Things because we're going to talk about the fact that God, how I believe God calls us to greater and greater things in our lives. And so oftentimes, those greater things Start with small and mundane and even plain stinky things at some in some points Okay, and we're gonna look at some examples Through scripture that I believe God calls greatness out of small and humble beginnings There's so many times in ministry where I've seen God call people into great things from very humble beginnings I've experienced that in my own life. Uh, so many times I've seen God call people out of downright stinky situations and call them into even greater things for His name and for His glory. And I believe it's a biblical principle for God to call greatness out of humble beginnings. And so many times we get so focused on this huge, like sky opening up calling that we get so focused on that or we get so focused on titles or we get so focused on paychecks that we think that our effectiveness in the kingdom of God has to do with a title or it has to do with a paycheck. And so many times our effectiveness is how, 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 how good of a steward we are with whatever God has put in front of us in the moment. And so many times God calls us out of those little things into even greater things. And I believe that we can be effective for the kingdom no matter where we find ourselves today. You might find yourself in here today not exactly happy with where you currently are in life. You might be at a job that you don't necessarily enjoy. You might be just feel like you're stuck and not effective for the kingdom. But I believe that you can be effective for the kingdom no matter where you find yourself today. The kingdom often starts small. There's a verse in Zechariah 4.10 that I wanted to start off with today. And it says this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now, I don't know about you, but these words found here in Zechariah are really encouraging to me because I came from pretty humble beginnings. And most of you are probably like me and this is encouraging because there wasn't this huge grand entrance from you into the world, was it? Most of us have probably come from pretty humble beginnings and there's this guy in the Bible, and I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but some of you may have. His name is Jesus and he came from very humble beginnings. If you remember anything about Jesus, you know that he was born to a teenage mother. He came from a small town called Bethlehem and was born into poverty. How many of us can relate to that? He was the son of a carpenter from a town that no one believed a man of God could come from. Jesus came from humble beginnings. And for the remainder, uh, actually, I want to hit Zachariah again. This verse is a small portion of a prophecy that was given to Zachariah. It's just a very small glimpse of an overall prophecy that was given to Zachariah about the temple being rebuilt. It's a charge to not despise the small beginnings. in every great work, and I believe some of you in here today need to hear this, every great work has to start somewhere. So if you find yourself in a place that you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily happy with, every great work has to start small. And that's what this verse is saying. It's, it's saying that it brings him great joy to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand because he knows that's the beginning of a great work. See, God knows what the end product is going to be. It has to start somewhere. And it needs to start with a humble beginning. And we're going we're gonna to look at a few different examples through Scripture about people that got very humble beginnings or, or people that God called into greatness out of ordinary, everyday, mundane, and even stinky tasks. And the first person that we're going to look at today is someone that I love preaching about, and I've used his story so many times at Syracuse, and and I just love the story of Moses. Here we'll be looking at the moment in which God calls Moses to set the Israelites free in Exodus 3, 1 through 5, and I believe that'll be up on the screen. It says this, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. And I would contend that God often calls greatness out of the mundane or plain stinky scenarios. And I believe that we can draw out of these verses in Exodus 3, 1-5... through 5, we can draw that out of these verses in verse uh, Exodus three one through five. So what's happening in the in these verses? If you don't know the story of Moses uh, very well, let me fill in the gaps. Moses is working for his father in law to pay off for his his future wife. Moses was working for his father in law to pay for his wife. Moses is literally working in the fields with stinky, dirty sheep to take his daughter's hand in marriage. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever had to work for your father-in-law? That's not always the most pleasant experience. experience. I'm I'm not speaking from experience right now, uh, just in case my father-in-law hears this. Um, But some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, 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 You have a vivid picture of what it might look like to work for or work with your father-in-law. And this isn't in the Bible, but I like to just kind of imagine what the scenario would play out to be. You know, maybe Moses comes home after a hard day's work and his father-in-law is telling him he should have done it this way or he should have done it that way, or why do not you do this or why do not you do that? Can anybody relate to that? Don't raise your hand if your father-in-law's in here. Uh, but Moses was literally out in the fields with stinky, dirty sheep when he received the call for his life to help set the Israelites free. Now, it would have been easy, I could imagine, for Moses to, to wallow in self-pity and to complain about the place in which God had him. But he was just being faithful to what was right in front of him in the moment. And another thing that I want to point out from the story of Moses is Moses wasn't searching for a calling from God. So many times I believe that we get hung up searching for a calling that we actually miss our calling. Does that make sense? See, so many times we get hung up on hearing these, these huge words from God and these, this big vision for our lives that we miss what's right in front of us. So many times the calling that he's putting on our life is right in front of us. He wasn't searching for a calling that day. He was being faithful to whatever God had placed right in front of him in the moment. And right in front of him in that moment was working with sheep. And I don't know a whole lot about sheep, but they're pretty dumb from what I hear. They smell bad. They get themselves into a lot of trouble. And it probably wasn't the most fun job in the world. In fact, if you, if, if you know the story of Moses, the next few verses goes on to tell us how Moses was actually trying to talk God out of the calling he was giving him. And I, I, I've been there a couple of times in my life, like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, God. I don't believe in myself, or I don't like what you're telling me I should do right now. And Moses didn't have the confidence that he could actually do what God was calling him to do. He wasn't searching for a calling, but God saw his faithfulness in the small things. And called him into greater things. So again, God often calls greatness out of the mundane or plain, stinky tasks. And we're gonna well, let's take a look at another person who was called to greater things from humble beginnings. Let's take a look at Elisha, who was called by God to work alongside Elijah. This is another one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, people in the Bible. Elisha is just a story that's so rich and so many different things that we can pull out of it. And this is when Elisha received his calling, found in First Kings nineteen nineteen through. 20. 21 And it says this. So Elijah went out and found Elisha, son of Japhat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elisha Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went to Elisha as his assistant. And here we see another great example of someone who was simply putting their head down and doing whatever was right in front of them. The story of Elisha is one of my favorite stories from the Bible. And I love, I love how the story starts. How does it start? He's literally putting his head down at the plow, being faithful to what God has him planted in right in the moment. I can imagine this scene in my mind. I, I've never plowed anything. I've never really even stepped on a farm. But I imagine it's kind of hard work, especially with... Uh, oxen and having to plow that way. Um, I don't even pretend to know how that's done. Um, but I do know it's probably pretty hard work. I do know that he was probably pretty dirty, he probably didn't smell the best. He was putting his head down and he was working a hard day's work, being faithful to what God had put in front of him in the moment. And God honors, honors him in the small things and calls him into even greater things. He honors Elijah and God appoints him to be Elijah's right-hand man. He gets to be Elijah's assistant. He gets to intern under Elijah. And so many of us uh, so many of us despise where we're at right now, or despise where we think we should be. But I believe that God has appointed you to exactly where you need to be right now. And I believe he wants you to be faithful wherever you find yourself. And he may have put a bigger calling on your life than what you're currently experiencing, but it'll come to pass. You need to be faithful to the small things. Be faithful to whatever's in front of you today, tomorrow, the next day. Be faithful in that. And he'll eventually call you into, and you'll see the vision for your life come into fruition. God calls us to be faithful to whatever is right in front of us, even if it's not exactly what we want or think we should be doing. So how many times have you questioned God because your present circumstances didn't look exactly how you thought they should look? How many times have we gotten frustrated and wanted to give up because you were called to so much more? I was there. This isn't in my notes, but uh, I believe that I received a call to go into to ministry and to work with young people from a very young age. When I was in, in 10th grade uh, at Wallace, um, we were at a summer camp and God very clearly just downloaded what I was to, supposed to do for the rest of my life and I was supposed to just work with kids. And I worked with uh, youth for a long time and then I found myself out of ministry for a season. And that was a really hard season for me and I was constantly questioning God, what is up with this? I know you've called me to this. I know you've called me to do greater things and to work with youth and to impact them for your kingdom. Why isn't it happening? And I began to question that call that he put on my life. And I began to wrestle with different things. And I began to despise where I currently was. And it wasn't until God gave me a heart check and he told me just to be faithful, just, just Be faithful to the next thing. Be faithful to the next step. And I found myself managing. uh, I was a manager at Starbucks up in Fort Wayne uh, for a season of my life when I was out of ministry. And God did so much work and I was able to be effective for his kingdom in those few years of being a manager at Starbucks. And it was those few years of being a manager at Starbucks and being faithful to that that I believe God saw that and honored that. And eventually I got back into ministry. And I even, I started back into ministry while I was actually still working at Starbucks. And and there was a heart change. I went from despising where I was and questioning everything about where I was. I went from that to making the most of every single day for his kingdom. And it wasn't too long after that I started looking at it from a kingdom perspective that he honored that and he blessed that. And he called me back into ministry. And the Bible tells us the, the, the more we are faithful with the small stuff, he will bless us with bigger things. If he can trust us with the small things, he will be able to trust us with the big things. Let's take a look at Luke 16.10. It says this. If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in larger ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. Now, this overall passage is actually talking about money, but it has big implications about what we're talking about here. The more we're faithful with the small things, the little things that God puts in front of us, the more and more he'll be able to trust us with the bigger things. Now, a few, uh, about a month ago now, our national director, Phil Stroud, was here, here sharing with a lot of the leaders. And one of the things that he said that will always stick with me is it was something to the effect of this, is God never anoint me to more than the measure that you can trust me. And, and that's just something that stuck with me. So basically what he's saying is, don't give me a platform that's bigger than what you can trust me with. Because that could do damage For his kingdom and it can do damage for yourself and that has just really stuck with me and I always want God to be able to trust me with whatever he's put in front of me and to always keep calling me to things that I know that he can trust me with and that he knows that he can trust me with and we're going to look at one last uh, example from scripture about somebody who received a call to go into greater things from very humble beginnings And this is a a little bit uh, more of a lengthy uh, section here, so bear with me. It's found in 1 Samuel, and it says this. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, and and this uh, this is Samuel going to anoint the next king of Israel. And he's going to the house of Jesse here and said, When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Sorry, I need to take a drink. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But then Jesse, uh, but then Samuel said, "This is not the one the Lord has chosen." Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, but Samuel said, "Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen." In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, "The Lord has not chosen any of these." Then Samuel asked her, "All of these? This are all? Uh, <laughs> sorry, are these all the sons you have?" There is still the youngest Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats Send him at once. Samuel said we will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes and the Lord said this is the one anoint him So as David stood there among his brothers Samuel took the flask of olive oil and he had brought up and anointed David with the oil and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. From that day on, then Samuel returned to Ramah. So we see again in the story of David, David, how God calls somebody into greatness out of very humble beginnings. And I, I absolutely love this story of David and, and his calling and receiving his calling. And here we see uh, Samuel coming to the house of Jesse, and David's not even in conversation. How do you think that made David feel? All of his other brothers are in the house to, to to possibly be anointed the next king. And David's sent out to work with the sheep and the goats. That seems to be a really recurring theme here as well. If you want to receive a calling from God, go find some sheep and go find some goats. Work with them. Plow some fields and see what God might do with that. So what was David doing when all of his brothers were being presented to Samuel? He was working in the fields with a dirty, stinky, smelly sheep. David was out in the field being faithful to what God had placed right in front of him that day. He wasn't looking for a calling. He wasn't putting everything on hold to hear from the Lord. He was simply doing the next step. He was simply being faithful to whatever God had in front of him in the moment. He was being cl- completely faithful even in the mundane. He was being faithful in the small things, and he was being faithful to whatever was right in front of him. Now, one of the things that I find super interesting about the story of David is the timeline from when he first received his calling to the time that he actually became king. And here in this narrative, in 1 Samuel's, it's estimated that David is anywhere between 10 and 15 years old. So you have a, anywhere, so we'll say he's like 13. So you have a 13-year-old boy who is out working the flock, being faithful to whatever God had placed in front of him. And we know that David was roughly 30 years old when he actually became king of Israel. Now, I'm not the best at math. I did go to Walsi. Uh But that seems to add up to about 15 to 20 years from the time that he originally received his calling until it came to fruition. And that's a long time to have God tell you what you're going to do with your life and to when it actually became, came into fruition. And a lot of us, we're in that place right now. We believe that God's called at us to something. Whatever that is, you know what that is. But for some of us, it hasn't came to fruition. We're in that moment. We're in the waiting right now. We haven't quite see, seen it come to pass. But God is telling you to be faithful to today, to tomorrow, to whatever's in front of you. And one of the things I love about David, and I believe that he's saying it to, this to us today, is God doesn't want us to, to be so future-focused that we miss out on what's right in front of us in the moment. I'm gonna say that again. God doesn't want us to be so future-focused that we missed out on what's right in front of us in the moment. He doesn't want us to be so focused on the, the big things, the next huge things that we miss out on all the little moments every single day. One of the things that we learned from the life of David is, is that he was not so future focused that he missed out on the, the right now. We know from the scripture that David didn't stop being a shepherd the second he first received his calling. He didn't hang up the shepherd's staff the second he received his calling. What did he do? He kept being a, a, a shepherd. He kept working with the stinky, dirty sheep. We also know that he kept being faithful to whatever was right in front of him. We know just a few years later the story of David and Goliath. He was still working in the fields. He goes from working in the fields to, to go kill the giant Goliath. And lastly, we know that David was faithful even when he was working in Saul's courts. Saul was still king. David was working in his courts and Saul for a season hated David. David was actually fearful for his life a lot of times working under Saul. But David was still faithful. He was still faithful to doing what God had put in front of him in the moment. And the band can go ahead and come up and we're going to transition here in just a minute. But I just want to encourage you today is what is God calling you to be faithful to today? What is he calling you to be faithful to today? It might not be the most fun thing. It might not be the most glamorous thing, but is it the most God honoring thing? For so many of us, the most God-honoring thing we can do is the most uncomfortable, the least fun. But man, it it honors God in the way that we do that. Or who is he calling you to today? What is right in front of you that you need to make sure that you're remaining faithful to? Maybe it is that job that you don't like. Maybe it's going in and punching the time clock and honoring God and being a good steward with whatever job you have right now, even if it's not where you see yourself in 5, 10, 15 years. Even if you feel like it's not where where God is gonna, where he's gonna have you end up. Be faithful today, be faithful tomorrow. And has God put a vision or a calling on your life that has yet to come to fruition? Are you in a period of waiting today Maybe, he, maybe he, he's put some things in your heart and you're wondering if that was really him. And you're wondering if that still holds true today. Press into that today. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a song of response here in just a second, but press into that during that time. Ask him to reconfirm th- some things in your life. Are you remaining faithful in the small things until that vision does come to fruition? Are you honoring God with the small things so he can trust you with the bigger things? As we end today, I encourage you to earnestly seek the Lord in everything you do. No matter where you find yourself, you can and should honor God with everything that you do. Every little task, every big task, everything he puts in front of you, honor him with everything that you do and everything that you are. No job, no task is too small, and he will see your diligence in the small things. He can and will call you to greater things from the small, mundane, and just plain stinky situations. So if you would, go ahead and just stand up. We're going to transition into ministry time. I, I appreciate you guys allowing me to share uh, with you this morning. And I just want to leave you with this. Um, I believe there, there's a few uh, there's a few people in here. Uh, as I was writing this, uh, God just gave me a couple words um, uh, for hope, for for a couple people in here today. Is the first one is this: Is there someone here that are just having feelings of inadequacy, like what you're currently doing doesn't matter in the kingdom of God? And, and I. I, I speak specifically believe there's two, two versions of this. One is you are in a job that, that you don't necessarily think is a big deal, is you're feeling inadequate and you're feeling like what you're doing right now doesn't matter. And, and God is saying, whatever you do matters. Whatever you do matters because you can do it for my name and you can impact the kingdom for my sake, wherever I have you today. And I also feel like there's uh, maybe a stay-at-home mom that feels inadequate feels like that she's not impacting the kingdom because you're being faithful to your children in this season. And then the last, the last word that I had is just feeling like you're stuck. You feel like God has called you to something bigger, but you're stuck and you don't necessarily like or can't see how you're going to get where he's called you to be. You're in a season of waiting and it's a painful season. So if either one of those words are, are for you today, I just encourage you to press into that. Um, I believe after this song, you'll have an opportunity to respond in prayer. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to David. But again, thank you so much uh, for allowing me to share. If you would, I I would just appreciate being able to pray for us again. Uh, If you feel comfortable, uh, you can stretch out your hands just as an act of surrender to the Father today. Uh, So Father, we we do, we just surrender ourselves to you in this moment. Uh, Father, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for all the examples in scripture, so many more than I even shared today that, uh, that people being faithful in the small things can lead to greater things. And, and Father, I pray for each and every heart in this place today. God, no matter where they find themselves, uh, that they know that they can be effective for your kingdom wherever you have them. And Father, I pray for the courage. I pray for um, the energy just to keep going, to keep fighting to keep honoring you in everything that we do, the big things, the small things. Father, may we honor you in everything we do. So Father, we give ourselves to you for the rest of this time. Just speak to our hearts, minister to us in this place today. Amen.